I'm recording for real this time. You can hear me. But do we want to? I can't answer that. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Deep Space Nine. To I know Keith and Mike watch Deep Space Nine. This is only the second time we've had to do this. I think last episode we had to go through four different starts. Yeah, so I'm it. really excited. I apologize for the redo, Keith. I'm a vidget. I, I believe, I believe in us. I believe we can do this, and uh, we have quite the episode to discuss today. Uh, it's going to be. Uh, it's a legendary episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. We are talking, of course, about Move Along Home. We have made many references <coughs> to it thus far on the show, but we have not been able to explain to Mike, uh, what do we mean with the Alamoremis and Moving Along Home? But now we are finally going to talk about it. I'm super psyched. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing all right, uh, Keith. You had set me up saying this is one of the worst, if not the worst, episodes. But then you qualified and said not the worst, but still pretty bad. And yeah, so I went yeah. to watch it last night with zero energy. But uh, I, I powered my way through, and I got some good chuckles. There's a scene in there we'll, we'll talk about when we get there that reminds me of, I think, Nightmare on Elm Street 2? Uh you know the one there's with the little girl? One, feels... two, Freddy's coming for you. Honey, there's a cat in here. Yeah, uh, no, totally, yeah. Um, Uh-oh, CEO Jen made a cameo in the episode that's never going to be aired. That's right. It, probably for the best for everyone. Be best for everyone. <laughs> uh, and uh, a great... Uh, there's uh, there's some disappointments. I when I when Because I've seen the Alan Marami bumper, I thought I was going to get all kinds of scene chewing from one of mm -hmm. our guest stars, and yet that kind of disappointed me because it wasn't as scene chewy as I had hoped. There's a lot of... Sh I can't wait to talk about it, Keith, because... Uh, I've loved every episode thus far, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I think it's about time we had to take one to the to the tool shed. So, the tool yeah. shed, the wood shed. The, the, take it to the tool. Take it to the tool shed. Find a crescent wrench, and uh, you know. So wait, yeah. let's officially announce what episode we're talking about. Oh yeah, we are talking about move along home. Ah, uh, so there it is. It's uh going to be fun. So uh. I would. I'm really curious, out there in the internets, in the interethers, uh, what other people think about this episode. Because I've seen on the Facebook groups and various, you know, messaging places that there are some folks who d will defend "Move Along Home" and uh, defend me not turning off my work phone. Work phone. While we're uh, while we're doing this, so if you have an opinion on this show, please leave it below. Leave a comment below, uh, and while you're there. Uh, give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Uh, it makes a big difference to us. It really helps us get this show out to more people, which is what we would really like to do. Uh, that would be very, very helpful to us. Mike, tell the folks how else they could be helpful to us. Well, Keith, a lot of time, even though it doesn't seem like it, we spend a lot of time on these things. And uh, you can help us offset that time and cost by joining our Patreon. It's yeah, patreon.com slash K and M. All kinds of goodies there for all different tiers. Uh, you can get, we do an AMA once a month, which we got to film that, buddy. We, which do, we do 
watch-alongs. We've posted one. Uh, it's us watching an episode of TNG. There will be more of those. You can get a, you can slide into our DMs, and we got other goodies coming. We appreciate those, not only those who have subscribed, but those who have sent us really nice messages encouraging us. We appreciate it. We really do. And yep. uh, if we'd like to point out a couple of those by name, Keith. Yes, indeed, including Alan Zimmerman, Jorge Navoa, Cloud Lover 69, Brian Kaufman, and Casey Clark. Uh, but you left out what I think the 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 pinnacle, the true premium bonus that you can get on uh, patreon.com slash K and M. And that is, of course, watching Mike watch these episodes live for the very first time. Uh, you can see Mike's reactions in real time. And sometimes uh, he'll uh, he'll he'll throw that episode into our Dropbox uh, before he's finished it and uh, giving Keith access to audio just of him. And without the episode audio, uh, that can be uh, perhaps exploited for, for I was going to say good or evil, but or just evil or evil. Mm -hmm. So stick around for that later. You definitely want that. All right, so let's talk a little bit more about the uh, the world of this episode which aired on Sunday, March 14th, the year 1993. Uh, we were sitting in a blizzard, which I'll tell you about later, but we were uh, we were listening to a certain hit song include uh, called Informer by Snow. Uh, Mike, can you give us uh, just a little little touch of uh, Informer? Informer, you want to finish in it very well. I want your boom boom now. <laughs> that was offensive, but not really as offensive as the actual thing, which I, when yeah, I watched the video, that's exactly for that, how it sounded. It, it, it 100% sounded like that, and I didn't remember it at all. And then I watched the video, and I was like, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> I haven't that's, watched the no. video. That's, uh, video. that's, that's, that uh oh. Out. Uh-oh, indeed. Uh, so if you were like, I, I don't know how that's going to hold up in 2022, let me just uh, head to the movie theaters and see CB4 starring Chris Rock, which is a, I, I don't particularly remember that movie, but I'll tell you what I do remember, Mike, and that is uh, the New York Times headline, The Storm Paralyzes the East Coast, 33 ki Killed. Uh, this was the blizzard of 93 which I remember very well up in Vermont. We got a heck of a lot of snow, I think almost 40 inches, uh, which of course sounds like a lot because it is a lot, but it's not nearly as much as you get when it was drifting because it was a full-on nor'easter. So we had incredible winds going on. So you had drifts of snow that were seven, eight feet tall. Uh, we looked out the, out the window that morning and uh, had no cars. All of our cars had disappeared entirely under the snow so that was a big dig out in the blizzard of 93 do you remember the blizzard of 93 mike i do we uh we had a great day of sledding and uh getting bumps and bruises because there was so much ice on each little blade of grass but it was mm. um it was fun as always loved uh loved a day off from school can't beat it and uh you know although i i guess we should send our love and prayers to those who actually lost their lives i think what they said 34 well, people obviously. died 33 yeah at least at, at that point and that and that blizzard continued for a couple of days so yeah we were we were out of school for almost about half a week which is a really big deal in vermont yeah, for vermont yeah because we you know we deal with snow all the time you get a foot of snow we, nobody cares uh, 
where but uh that was that was a heck of a lot all right so um luckily that left us time to uh lie down in the basement and watch move along home because we're so excited you know what it's Deep Space Nine. We just watched Dax. We watched some amazing episodes. We're so excited. And then we get, yeah, we get Move Along Home. So, uh, but we had no choice. We only had three channels and uh, it was a blizzard. <laughs> and uh, so this episode was directed by David Carson. And this was his third episode of the season after two of the, I think, strongest episodes of the entire show so far Emissary, the pilot, and Dax. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was, uh, had a story by Michael Piller with a teleplay by Frederick Rappaport, who did two episodes of Deep Space Nine, Lisa Rich, who did two of Deep Space Nine and one of Next Gen, and Janine Carucci Fauci, uh, Kerrigan Fauci, uh, who also. No relation uh, to the good doctor, I'm sure. I, who knows? Possibly. Uh, who worked with Lisa Rich on those three episodes. So uh, now I think it's time. Uh, everything we've talked about has been so important and substantive and uh, hard-hitting. So let's do something trivial in a little segment we call Now Keith, waste your time with Trivial Trivia Well, I gave away this little piece of uh, trivia last week and that is this episode. Move Along Home is ranked as the eighth worst episode of all all of Trek of all time, at least as of the 50th anniversary of the show. So uh, not a particularly well-liked episode of Trek. Uh, so uh, I'm curious. I, I can't wait to find out what Mike thinks about this episode. Uh, yeah, okay, so it's ranked badly, but it did get an Emmy nomination. For hairstyle by Candace Neal, uh, apparently those uh you know the hair, the amazing hair that you see the hair is in the Alamoremi bumper, is Emmy nominated. Uh, from a production standpoint, things were a little complicated in the Trek verse because they were filming a crossover episode on the Next Generation at the same time as they were filming this. If you remember. Uh, Birthright Part 1 features Alexander Sinig coming on as Dr. Bashir. It was going to be Terry Farrell. Uh, but because Terry was so uh, featured on this episode, uh, it had to be replaced by Alexander Sinig. You know who uh, normally is featured on this show is uh, my co-host, Mike Indeglio. I'm well, working he, on it. I'm working on he it. Has, he has winked out of existence. Well, Mike, what shap are you on? Uh, shap. Oh, where are my chopsticks? Click, 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 click. <laughs> where are my breadsticks? I'm going to knock together. All right. So uh, <coughs> this episode, uh, interestingly, it, you know, I think there's a lot of missed opportunities in this episode. Uh, and one of them was this was originally going to be set in an exterior setting. So the game was going to take place on sort of a Martian-like exterior, and then we're going to come across a little horror village sort of a deal, uh, which I think sounds way more interesting and way cooler, but the uh, they ran out of money to do it, and so they had to make a lot of compromises from a budgetary standpoint. Uh, and despite that, this episode actually had the highest budget since the pilot of Deep Space Nine, which is... 
you understand because they're they're being dropped onto all of these shops and different environments. But uh, it's it's weird to think that the incredibly high budget for Move Along Home. Uh, but you know, there it is. So this episode features guest starring roles from Joel Brooks as Fallow, uh, who we're going to see lots of, and James Lashley as Lieutenant Primin, who we met last week. So uh, I think it's time to move along home and talk about this episode and hop into the theater. But before we do, uh, guess what? Thanks to Mike's fine, fine work uh, leaving uh, a video on the Dropbox, we now have a new introduction to our episode discussion. I'm going to regret this, aren't I? You sure are. Let's give it a roll. Yeah. I I don't know what to say. Well, you say you're welcome. You're you're the star of a new uh, of a new transition. Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's what I'm I guess that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so if you were like, "Wow, I want more of that." You can find it on uh, patreon.com/k&m and see, you know, Mike doing fine material. <laughs> like singing along to the theme song but forgetting to put the original music in there. So there it is, Mike's oh. version of the Deep Space Nine theme song. So let's talk about this episode. What do you yes, say, Mike? I think it's time we jump in. All right. So in our teaser, we begin with Cisco getting dressed in his dress uniform. And we see Jake for the first time in a while. And uh, he's really big on fashion. And uh, we find out, eh, you know, the dude likes Bajoran girls. Yeah, there's you know, not a lot of screens for that first. You got to just stick on this one. All right, we'll stick on this one. I don't really uh, want to talk about Jake and the birds and the bees while he's what, with him sipping like that. That was a mistake on my part. But regardless, uh, what I like about this little teaser here, aside from Jake's just horrific outfit, and I thought mm. to myself, Keith, you know, as we're talking about the birds and the bees and this kid clearly going through puberty on this space station, mm-hmm. do you know what would have ruined me during puberty, Keith? What would that? If I had to wear a skin-tight unisuit tard uh-huh. to, to middle school elementary school when i was like first learning about my hormones because it leaves nothing to be hidden wow yeah uh uh yeah no um as as awkward as an observation as that is uh remembering uh when i was first noticing the uh bajoran girls Bajorans, getting off the right. shuttle that would have been a problem folks yeah that uh, okay, we have another episode of Deep Space Nine After Dark, but yeah, now that would be a <clears throat> an issue. Uh, but they did have a great father son interaction, um, and uh, until until uh, Cisco discovers that all Jake knows about women is from Nog, so that's not good news. Based on what we already know about the uh, Ferengi's uh, understanding of the sexes, that's a problem. But I did notice, and is captured in the screenshot here, uh, in the future they have glass straws. So they had already, they had anticipated moving on from the wasteful straw. So that's cool. But you know what else uh, is cool too, to be, you know, to, to be serious for a minute. Although I was very serious about that, <laughs> what, what I was talking about. But 
what I thought here was cool is that clearly Ben is very, very busy, and we haven't seen uh, we haven't seen Jake in a while. But they do schedule time to hang out. He's like, he, he mm-hmm. had an exact time. He's like, tomorrow morning over over some replicated pancakes. We're gonna have a chitty chat about this. So let's. Uh, yeah, and I, I I I think that's a really good thing to point out. Um, you because know, we're you know we're learning how dedicated Cisco is as a father, and how you know challenging it is to be a single father, to be a single parent, um, and especially when you have all of that responsibility. His a making it important, valuing it, but also um, the way he's able to navigate that, you know, scheduling specifically, like we're going to talk about this specific thing at this specific time. I think that's that's from the son's point of view, right? You're prioritizing, you know, you can't always just like do things on the fly, but like, you know, I'm going to actually make this important uh, to talk about. So I, I like it. I think it's a really good um, layer in their relationship. And we learn a lot about Cisco himself. So that's cool. Um, anyway, we find out that he's dressed up to make first contact with the Delta Quadrant species called the Wadi. And uh, they have to get it. There's all of this rigmarole, but remember what? Did we already do this though? Like the first contact thing, or was that wasn't with a specific Delta Quadrant? That was like with a species outside of the quadrant. No, no, no. It was definitely a the Delta. In fact, it, I think it was the first first contact with a Delta Quadrant species when we sent O'Brien just like, and you know, I just go talk to him. It was all chill. Oh and, right, uh, yeah, that was the Hunger Games one, not the yeah, the, Games, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So. <laughs> They were like, yeah, yeah, O'Brien, just go out there, go deal with that. But now it's like everyone's got to be in the dress uniforms. We're, uh, it's it's big and fancy. Uh, so we're not chill this time And what at happens all. if you forget your suit, Keith? Well, people are going to give you shit about it, about Bashir's lost dress uniform. And uh, wait for it. Cisco dresses him down. <laughs> You're welcome, Internet. You are welcome, that's why you sign up for a Patreon. Let me tell you. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's sort of a, a funny little scene here. We see that the uh, see the dress I'm uniforms. Not okay. Thanks for asking. Not okay. <laughs> but Ooh. my uh, my Friendship. pun literally killed Mike. Uh, but we do see uh. here the. Dress uniforms are the next generation era dress uniforms, which um, I think I forget what show we mentioned it on, but uh, the next generation changed their dress uniforms every two episodes early in the season because they started as literal dresses and they sort of hiked it up about six inches until it became a tunic and then it became a shirt. Uh, When they finally arrived on it, they're like, we are not messing with that on Deep Space Nine. We're just going to borrow them from the other show and not have to uh, have new dress uniforms. Um, but uh, guess what? The Wadi show up. And here's our first look uh, at Fallow. And, uh, you know, they're not interested in all of the uh, the rigmarole first contact. They just want to get to the games. Yeah, they the want to hurry at? up and get to Quarks. And uh, one of them... Oh, I'm hearing myself twice now. That's One not of me, them, man. no, nope. Oh, that's weird. Sure is. Sure is. Uh, so we uh we meet them, and one of them is absolutely enormous for some reason. Uh, I'm not entirely sure why, but uh, we can see some of that Emmy-nominated hair, which apparently they're just uh 
just coming out of like a monster truck rally or something. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, can they Those... then take the Emmy away for the bad forehead tattoo? The yeah, the the forehead tattoos are a very big deal. Uh, anyway, the lead Wadi is named Fallon, which will make sense in about twenty years when NBC steals the Tonight Show from Conan and gives it to someone else obsessed with games. So we uh we begin Act One. They all arrive at Quark's, and he wants to know if they have money. Quark introduces the Wadi to Dabo, and uh, they start out, they only have what looks to be breadsticks to offer. Quark says, nah. Then they offer some juice. Uh, it's terrible, but uh, not to worry. They do have a ton of dollar store gems. So there are uh, there's the breadsticks. And uh, Quark is has having none of it. So, what are you feeling here about this episode so far, Mike? Uh, yeah, I thought this made sense. Obviously, it's going to entice Quark. What I found to be the bizarre here was how little of a shit all of a sudden Ben gives. Right? right. He's like, yeah. Obviously, they've been gambling. They they hit us over the head with like a blunt force trauma hammer to let us know how long they've been there. Ben's like right. yawning. We found it, they've been gambling for six hours. Six hours, that is a sentence people don't generally say. I know how long we've been here, Ben. I, I've been here too. Uh, but regardless, he just quits and he's like, I'm going home. Take care of them. Something you generally shouldn't trust Nog with. Not Nog. Quark with. Mm-hmm. Or Nog, for that matter. But, you know, but Ben does, because Ben was yeah. like, you know, it's so important. We need our suits. Everybody, I'm going to get mad at you if you forget your suit. But I'm going <laughs> to, I'm not seeing it through. So peace. Well, I mean, look, you, his objective is to make a positive first contact. And, you know, it's like having house guests, right? Or having, like, your, your boss over. And uh turns out all your boss wants to do is play Xbox when you really wanted to, like, you know, talk about the uh, TPS reports. You, you just got to roll with it. You got to play Xbox. Yeah, you gotta that let is the... a scenario that never happened, but okay. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've played Xbox with my boss. But uh, anyway... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, he kind of just has to let the dignitaries do what they want. Um, but uh, I, I think for me at this point in the episode, I'm wondering where are the stakes, right? It, the, there aren't any stakes in this episode yet. Uh, we're going to get to them and we'll debate whether or not they're ever found any. Well, uh, <clears throat> one one thing I can tell you that aside from that, that's missing, that will reap consequences later in the episode as well. Is at no point in this game playing do we get any sort of sense. You know, when we see Quark play or Quark deal with other people, we get sort of an idea of the fundamental sort of priority system of his, where things lie in his priority scale. We don't really get that here from the Wadi, right? We don't learn that uh, fairness in our gaming is very important, or they don't drop any breadcrumbs as to what's important to them. So when things start to progress... We don't know where we stand. Where well, right. we'll get there. We'll get there. No, but I, I think that's that's part of the part of part of this episode. What is about not understanding what's going on or why, and that's intentional. But I think it ended up working against them. Yes, we will talk it, about that a know, lot. Yeah, like they they were they were trying to to have stakes come out of not knowing what the heck is going on, but. You you have to give us a little bit, <laughs> otherwise then yeah. it's just like it's just word salad. It becomes babble. 
Uh, but for Quark here, there are stakes because the Wadis are cleaning him out. And uh, we learn that the, the weirdo in charge really, really, really likes gambling. So Quark, being Quark, he calls in another dealer and cheats. So no surprise there. He's really enjoying his gambling. No, no explanation as to why one of them was so giant. Other than it's a weird little sight gag. Also, um, something they never explain here, which I was actually questioning at this moment. Oh my god, I'm still choking. Mike, don't choke your way through the episode. Is I was wondering, oh, okay, well, did they slow play in the beginning? Like, did they lose a couple hands just to get him, and then they started winning? In order, were they cheating in order to get him to cheat in order to then play their game? Or were they just legit good from the beginning? Like, there was definitely something between them being really bad at Dabo and then being really good at it. Like, because nobody just wins constantly, right? That's not gambling. No casino setup that no, you can no, get no, cleaned no. out it's, like that. It's sort of like a roulette thing where you're most likely going to lose eventually. So, you know, it's tough to say, like, is it a game of skill? Is it not? I don't know. Well, because um, also, we don't know, we don't know whether they're being honest up front, which then... Uh, what's the word? Obfuscates why they're so pissed at Quark. Where they did they want him to cheat so that they could do their game, or was that was it a consequence because he cheated? It's it's hard to know. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I also like don't even get the sense that they care about winning. They just like the game. Like, are, is their objective? Yeah, clearly because the end of the episode, they don't give two shits. So. Right, right. Like, nor yeah, were there any stakes. Okay, we'll, we'll get there. We we never knew why, what the Wadi wanted. Like, did they want to make money? They just like games, right? But like, are they trying to sell the game? Are they trying to teach us something? Are they trying to win anything? I don't know. There's there's no like, blah blah blah. Games, games, games. Uh, where were we? Back at the in his quarters, Cisco finds out that Jake has not gone to bed yet. And for reasons I don't know why that scene existed. Uh, but Because uh, we want to see this awesome jumpsuit again? Yeah, I mean, come on, middle school me. I could have worn that. I pro- Actually, what I wore was probably worse than that. But, you know, eh, whatever. I was watching I was watching <laughs> Run Along Home. Uh, all right, back at Quark's, the Wadi weirdo discovers that Quark dealer Broik, this is the first time we see Broik by name, has been cheating. Naturally, they confront him, and Quark freaks out. So now, the Wadi introduce Quark to their own game, which pops out of a box with magic. Uh, it's called Chula, and we don't learn the roles or what's happening. Uh, so they, uh, they, they force Quark to play this game, I guess, and uh, they start in the second shap, but we don't know what that means. Uh, it's all very confusing. Back in his quarters, Cisco is asleep in his space jammies. Oh, there. Well, is hold the... on. I have another question. I'm going to bring up yeah, before yeah, you yeah. go. Okay. Quark usually has such his shit together, somewhat. So it seemed they tried to play it like he was very threatened by these guys. Right. But once again, we made such a big deal in the beginning about how this is their first uh, contact with them. So you imagine there'd be some sort of security detail or like a camera somewhere. Like, why is he so threatened by them that he's forced into this Ender's Game situation? Couldn't he have just been like, I didn't cheat. You're all kicked out. Peace. You know, it's like. 
Right. Yeah. We don't, I mean, we know Quark feels bad because he got caught cheating, but like, it's Quark. How many times has he cheated? How many times has he been caught cheated? Like, cheating? Keith, you tell me. How, how, how intimidating is this? We get a breadsticks. Hold on. Are you freaked I, out? I, I don't have any breadsticks. I, I do have a fidget spinner, which seems just about as scary. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, is that why they had the, the extra there who was Jula! super giant? Jula! Yeah, so I... I yeah, it, it, it's... There's going to be a lot of what happens here that is just going to be a mystery. It's going to be a mystery. What, uh, why Quark's reactions to any of this? I mean, the game looks cool. It looks like a super expanded version of 3D chess, which is the Star Trek staple, of course. I don't know why, like, it magically appeared or what the purpose of that was. I mean, actually, you know what? I do. That once we find out how they're operating it, that makes sense. Um, but, uh, anyway. Uh, let's meet Cisco in his space jammies. Uh, and uh, all of a sudden, was there a point to those like things he was drinking, like those things in his nightstand, or that was just B-roll? I, I, I don't know if there was a point. I mean, maybe that's his uh, his Unisom, or maybe may, I thought maybe for a minute likes... that's how they like got him into the game. Or oh, yeah, because I I don't even think I noticed. I mean, the screenshot here is great because this is all sort of set dressing details that I didn't really notice. What does he have there? He's got a box. He has a, he's his diary. You a know, lamp. dear diary. Yeah. Uh, Kira was mean to me on the and promenade. I guess it's like his face screams. It's like right, right. I mean, you got to look good. And he's got two boxes of something. And I don't know. Maybe, maybe he likes a hot toddy before he goes to bed, Mike. I bet you like Fair. a hot toddy. I do. I love a hot toddy. I know. I like a uh, nasty. Yeah, that's true. So uh, anyway, so Cisco wakes up in his uniform, not in space jammies, uh, in what appears to be the set of a community theater production of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, and uh, that is the end of Act One. Uh oh, lots of where doors. am I? Opening lots doors. of doors. No, I said close every door to me. That's we're, we're in Joseph, man. Stay on the right show. All right, guys. Now we need a scene where Ben. Tries one door and it's locked, but then he has to try every other door. That's right. It's very scary. Uh, so we're in Act 2 now. The The commercial break was, oh my god, I'm on the set of Joseph. Uh, he goes through a bunch of purple doors. Uh, finally, one opens, and uh, Jimmy Fallon's there and tells him to move along home. The uh, There he is. Move along home. Whatever the hell that joke. means. Laughs at his own joke. He laughs at his own joke, you know, which we're known to do. So uh, the door closes, and we hear Bashir, who is freaking out and leaning against a wall for reasons. I, I don't quite understand why he's... Now, I'll go back to the screenshot. Like, this is where all the money went mm. into this very elaborate set, which... I somehow looks cool and cheap at the same time. Like yeah, well, because it looks like they want us to think the floors may be graded, but it's just it's just looks like gobos or I don't know. I yeah, I mean, it, I, the design is sort of interesting, 
but it's even in low definition and you know when they eventually finally up convert this it's going to be worse it's so clearly just plywood everything's just ply you know, just like painted plywood and i know they had budget issues that kind of stuff but i i don't and, and also like you never see it right this is like the one shot where you actually see the height that they are able to do and the and the depth because they're basically just going around and showing the same door over and over right. and over again and trying to redress it um uh so i don't know what's going on with bashir here he says like oh i thought i was having a dream and i was going to wake myself up but to do this i'm going to flail with my eyes closed on the wall and scream i I don't i don't quite understand the the choice there uh but dax and kira show up and uh kira's pissed kira is pissed like pilot kira is back pilot pilot kira is back yeah and that's another thing with the I mean, this was probably all in the stage directions, but like all the characters are acting weirdly. Like Bashir's acting like a lunatic. Kira's like flipping out for no reason. Which yeah, I, I give. I'm going to give a lot of grace to the cast this episode because I feel like they were handed such a heavy lift. Like yeah. it's some. Uh, we'll get to it. Yeah, it's it's uh it's not it's not it's not good. Uh, I mean, she's but, inconvenienced, but like. None of them indicate that they're like enjoying this experience, but she's pissed at them because you all, you federations are so willing to play games. I'm a Bajoran. I don't play games. I'm like, yeah, whoa, and, and, relax. And the outlandish ways the characters are behaving within the game lowers the stakes because I'm not even sure they're even the real versions of them. Right, if if our characters behaved like real people, and be like, all right, hold on, let's figure this out, let's work through this logically, then it becomes a much more interesting thing because it's weird on top of weird. It's a hat on a hat, right? Yeah, and I don't even think they, I don't even think they intended for that. Um, but uh, anyway, they do figure out that it's a game and that their communicators still work, so uh, that's handy. Yes, which uh, was the first time it told me that that was them inside of physical space. Right, it was a it like yeah. This is this is real because the communicators are working. But then um, here are my questions, Keith, and these questions will continue. But here are my big questions. Here, okay, okay. The communicators are working. They're devising a plan to make it through this maze. Yet on the outside, Quark's rolling dice, and there's all this like intended risk. And I'm like, okay, who has agency here? Does Quark have the agency? Does the cast have the agency? Because if the cast doesn't have any agency in the game, what's the point of us following them around? Or if they have the agency and they can figure out these riddles as we're going to come to see, quote-unquote, hard quote on riddles, because none of the obstacles they are given to face are remotely challenging, interesting, complicated, or worth any anything. But no. what do the roles have to do with it? Well, I, I think that Quark's roles are determining which riddles they're getting and how difficult they are. But then he also gets a verbal choice, which is choose easy route or hard right, route. Right, right, right. So, so Quark, either by direct choice or by rolling, is setting up the particular obstacles of the game. And then the agency, that's the agency Quark has, and the agency that our heroes have are how they're navigating these challenges that come up. Or, Keith, instead of giving us any of the rules, how about we just show a close-up of the dice each time? but not tell you what they determine. Well, and, but I also think like, again, 
I'm trying to envision what the well-executed version of this is, right? And I there is a there is a a version in which it's interesting and cool that Quark doesn't know what's happening and and like that there are real stakes and it's really scary. You don't know the rules of the game. And he doesn't, you know, I'm I'm rolling the dice. I don't know if a three is good or a three is bad. Like I don't know. Like there's there's a there's a way to execute that. This is not it, clearly. Well, I mean, there's also a way to say that one. There's probably a story to be told that once Quark learns that his friends, his colleagues, are inside the game, he has to reassess his strategy. He has to reassess risk reward. But, and he sort of does that because Odo's there, as we're going to get to. But at the same time, he also then goes on this huge monologue about how he knows he studied games his whole life, but like that doesn't change his behavior or action. Like it's just a well, lot of shit that never comes together. Well, no, it, it, it's also inconsistent, right? Because like Quark is freaked out and concerned for his friends, then very much not, then very he, he, Quark's bouncing back and forth like a ping pong ball, and you know. That's I don't know what story they're trying to tell. Yeah, and also Quark would never, or maybe I mean obviously he does, but it doesn't seem consistent with the character or with his history of gaming or with his whole monologue of risk reward and strategy. Would he get down and beg for mercy, like grovel for mercy, and then have it? And then it seems like everything at least they've said up to that point, the the Wadi would never abide by that. That whole thing is bizarre. It's a mess. Uh. Anyway, we're going to continue this mess uh, with Jake showing up at Odo's office and saying his father is missing. Uh, The computer says that he's not on the station, which uh, is kind of a big deal. Uh, But uh, Odo, instead of really freaking out about that, like he should, he teases Jake about girls. And uh, and I think Sir Clothin gives a very believable performance of being embarrassed. I said that here. in my watch along. I think this is the best acting beat in the episode. I think so too. I, I and and it's and it's certainly like it's Jake's best. I think it's Jake's best moment of the series thus far. Just the incredibly believable performance we're getting here. Yeah, uh, I would I would go as far as to say, and this is a guess is that they did a bunch of takes, and uh, who plays Odo again? What's his name? Oh, Renee. Renee gave him some stuff. Like, Renee clearly was ribbing him. Threw and gave something him some different. Stuff, yeah, to get yeah this, this feels like a real 14-year-old boy's reaction. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I thought it was really funny, and I, I certainly, um, like, identified with it, both as the as being about his age when this show aired, but also just, you know, being perpetually 13 inside. Uh, so Odo does finally realize, like, oh, we should probably know where our uh, where our captain is. Uh, he goes to Ops and discovers security specialist Primin is now an oblivious dum-dum, not concerned yeah, when, at all, of the entire senior staff not showing up for work. It's like, doop, 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 doop. Nothing to see here. I'm, oh, you know what? What is my job here? Oh, wait! I am the security specialist from the Federation, coming here and not paying any you know attention. The, everything we earned from the last episode, where they became like colleagues and buddies and pals, all gone. And also, like earning Primin's competency, where he figured out the gizmo or whatever. Like, no, he's a utter dum dum. You know, and that's that's a theme throughout this entire episode. 
It's every character on the show lost 30 IQ points for the set. Like every every character, top to bottom. You've got Bashir freaking out for no reason, flailing against the wall. You've got Kira losing their shit. You got Prim and, they, you've got and it's Odo, funny because you've got they gave themselves so many there are so many opportunities to write in a reason for that. I mean, they could have even like, oh, the smoke, they've got some access to the chemicals or some shit. But then then when they they retcon it and be like, oh, it's all being dumped by this huge tractor beam. Well, then, okay, so it's not any of the magic. It's not fumes. It's not this. They don't take any outs that they're given. Well, well, right. No, I mean, like this, they could be put them with like a hallucinatory drug or something like that. But but really, it's just the episode's just not well thought out. So, you know, and I say this as a writer, right? If I can't come up with good solutions, good ways to trap my characters, because if you're running suspense, right, a little divergence here, um, you know, when I, because I've I've written a couple of suspense novels, and the the hardest thing about building suspense is trapping your characters who are smart. Mm. It's really hard to trap a smart character that you allow to be smart and then sort of force them into a situation where they have to have a, a you know clever smart solutions to their problems uh and if i if you get really stuck right and i can't figure out how do i get them into peril if they're smart enough to avoid it well the crutch there is to make your character dumber right yeah. make your character act out of well, character remember those remember those questions keith when we're talking about suspense, because I'm going to throw in one thing as an avid horror reader, mm-hmm. uh, not a writer per se, but I'm an avid reader. Uh, one of the things that makes horror work for me, and this goes in film or on, on the page, is clearly established rules. Rules for our big bad, mm-hmm. rules for the universe we're with we're, we're in. And as mm-hmm. this episode is going to maybe try its, dip its toe into the horror vibe, for a, a couple beats, sort of, <laughs> and then abandon it. Um, let's see if we can find some rules. Yeah, let's see if we can find some rules. Uh, anyway, back at Quarks. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, so Odo and Premon are like, ah, oh, we should probably look into this because, like, you it's know, just mullets from here, there, everywhere. Mullets here, there, everywhere. It's it's funny they didn't just grab a bunch of professional wrestlers from the time if they wanted to make them huge and have mullets. Uh, so, uh, he asked Quark what to risk on this level of the game. What, what are you going to risk on this ship? Uh, Quark, of course, doesn't know the rules. So, or how much to wager and the Wadi bangs stick together until he rolls the dice. Guys, I don't, what should we make the rules of this game? Well, I got a better idea. Why don't we just give the guy a line and he can say, the rule is you're not allowed to know the rules, and then we don't have to freaking worry about it. That's right. Yeah. Well, it's it, it, there's a like a little bit of lost here where it's like <laughs> it's fine for your characters to not know the rules, but you, as the writer, you do have to know what the rules are. You can't just be like both have no idea what's going on. The only thing that is firmly established is you got to bang the chopsticks. You got to bang the chopsticks together, and that will make you know Quark do what you want him to do. Uh. Anyway, so we find out that our heroes are going to have to face the the Chandra. And uh, the Wadi explained that folks have to leave the game, learn the game as it happens. Well, we'll talk about that. So on the game board, I, I don't I don't know Jason what the Chandra, nobody knows. He, he sorry, so he blows on the dice because 
Sure. And there's there's a little D&D dice. And you can see, actually, that's a, that's a good screenshot, how they built this. It's just a glass backlit and hand-painted each of these little things onto glass. So uh, somebody has a lot of work. Hand painting those things, and they uh, looks like they shaved off the ends of some four sided die. If you're a D and D person, and uh, yeah, all right. So, I mean, there's a lot of cool design here. It's like the 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 game designer was was cool. He has a little touchpad there running the game. All right, so here we are back on the uh, on the game board. Cisco hears the siren strains of the Alamoraine song. Here we go and finds a, this is my like, you know, favorite worst part of this episode. Um, yeah, it's eerie. It's eerie. You hear the girl through the, through the, the door. We don't know what her whole thing is. Oh, is she going to be a monster? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but no, it's really just Alamorate, can't do for Alamorate. Oh, you kill me. But Keith, uh, how will some of the most advanced minds in the galaxy mm-hmm. possibly riddle oh, through that they have to play hopscotch yeah. and say a rhyme or they get it's, zapped. It's really tough. Yeah, yeah. So you have to uh, have to play hopscotch while singing the theme to the Alamoremis. Uh, oh, or else... you get, um, you're like three, maybe four screenshots from my favorite screenshot I've ever taken. Before <laughs> you get zapped. Uh, Whoa! That's Bashir getting his ass kicked. Oh, not Bashir. Yeah. Uh, who was that? It's Kira. Kira okay. gets zapped. And now so, she's really pissed. So uh, Kira, whose IQ has dropped like 40 points, not not 20 points, just like, ha-ha, that girl can do it. There's no trick here. I'm just going to march right through. Gah, they're so dumb for a while. Uh, but eventually, Dax realizes you have to do the song and the choreography if they're going to get cast in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Well, that is a hell of a riddle, buddy. Oh, oof. And uh, they go through all this. Uh, Avery Brooks tries to win the singing contest when everyone else just looks embarrassed. It's like they could have done a take where they all like do it in the correct rhythm. I was really disappointed by their lack of, especially Avery Brooks, his la- complete lack of any sort of rhythm. <laughs> That's an amazing screenshot. <laughs> you know, and Avery Brooks is a is an like a real musician. Yeah, I don't know. Like he's maybe he's a he's a he's a very good jazz maybe musician. He was ADR'd. They might. And he's ADR'd. got a, and he has a beautiful singing voice. But I I think, I I don't know what was going on. Why why do Alamorine. Why did it in this weird like sing song <laughs> voice? Everyone else is like, I'm not, I'm not doing a song. I'm not singing this. No way. Oh, they're like, oh yeah, you are. Yeah, we're 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 paid Alamorine. well, but so, somebody get, somebody did it real like militant. I think it was well, Dax. Yeah, Dax was like Alamorine, and then uh, Kira was like, "Fuck this, Alamorine." Keep do your Dax Alamorine again. That was great. <laughs> Alamorine, cut the fuck. Oh. Broke my mic. And then and then every Brooks was like, Alamorain, count to four. <laughs> Alam- it was was not good. It was it was very eggy for everybody. I felt bad. I felt bad for the cast in this scene. Yeah. Um the uh but but the girl announces they've reached the third shap. Woohoo! And uh Quark wins some gems. So, you know, again, as as we go into Act 3, what are the stakes here? Or the rules? Or the rules. 
it's, it's and it's also weird. because we still Quark still doesn't know they're in there. So or that they're that they're in any peril. Right. So once again, like in this part of the game. All he knows, the other guy just goes, huzzah, third chap. And he and and Quark's like, oh, I won something. But like, what took place out here? Do they see what's happening in the game? How does anybody know what's happening inside the game? How is Quark up? There's no, what's happening? That's a really good observation. I hadn't even thought about that. Like from, from Quark's and Jimmy Fallon's perspective, nothing moves. It just seems no, like, like the DM, like if Jimmy Fallon's the DM, it just seems like he's arbitrarily picking. He's just announcing what happens. Yeah. No, it's totally D it's totally D and D. And so Jimmy Fallon's like, yeah, this happened. And they're like, hurrah. We, we'd have no indication whatsoever. That's a, that's a good observation. So, uh, anyway, so our buddy tells Quark to pick the easy or hard path. Quark doesn't know he's playing with everyone's life and now wants to buy the game because apparently it's fun. Odo says, uh, then announces that four officers are missing. Quark picks it. Now, now all of a sudden Quark's IQ jumps by 30 points and he's able to intuit that there are four officers missing to immediately know, oh, well, th there are four, there are four things here. There's a dialogue right before Odo comes in with this pressing information about his players, uh, his four players, and what the four got. Like, there's a whole thing about it that happens, like, seconds before Odo comes in. So it's... No, but, but right, but if I... All right, so hold on. I okay, have that's, some... that's fair. Let's, let's break this down. All right, so here, I have four... D and D dice right here, Mike. These are your four players. Okay. Oh, by the way, your family's missing. So these four players here, like you're gonna. Oh, that's my family. You know that? <laughs> well, if it was a television show and I'm an alien species and these guys just beamed aboard and like magical a board up together, I mean, it's not. We're in a fantastical place. It's not like we're just in my like little rest community here. I'm no, I'm telling you, Quark, like a beautiful minded that shit. I have no idea how we knew that. All right, well, wait till we get to the drinking puzzle. <laughs> uh, anyway, That's gonna take so, some real brains. So, so two things happen. Quark figures it out, and for some reason, Quark cares all of a sudden. Oh yeah, so so these are the four pieces. He's like, oh yeah, no, that's definitely Cisco. I can tell. Uh, anyway, Quark takes the safer path. Um, uncharacteristically, he cares a great deal now. So our four heroes are wandering around, and Dax figures out they're in a game trying to get home. They're, they're supposed to run along home, Mike. Got it. Supposed to run along home. That's the objective. Mm. So uh, here's where they enter a room filled with Wadi partying. And instead <laughs> of... <laughs> Have a drink. <laughs> oh, this is gonna be a long episode. <laughs> Gonna be. We're already an hour in. I know, right? So instead of thinking or behaving like a logical adult, Kira freaks out again. I mean, mad. Why Mark! are you guys laughing? How dare you? I hate this. You're not. You're not able to. You should not be drinking Orangina. No, it's it's Sunny D, buddy. Sunny D. Yeah, no, that's totally better. So uh, then the room, of course, fills with gas, and everybody is drinking except... Oh, that's right. Kira throws a plate. 
She's like freaking out, screaming at the NPCs for like no reason whatsoever. Uh, they uh. Wait, did I miss? I need I need clearance. Maybe I missed yeah, yeah, something yeah. early on. So, the room fills with poison, and right. every character and the DM all offer them a drink. Right. And Avery's like, "Don't drink it." Uh huh. What was the context clue? Like, what's the challenge here? I mean, clearly they're like. All right, here's the solution to the puzzle, everybody. Is it like reverse psych- is it reverse psychology? They're like, oh, definitely don't drink it because it's clearly poison because the gas is trying to kill us, so clearly the thing is trying to kill us too. But then, like, Bashir, it's funny, it's a, it's a little Easter egg because he, they're like, oh, you figured out this crazy riddle when he figures out that the juice is the anecdote. And he's like, nah, I was dying, so I figured I'd just, just drink it anyway. Like, what is the sta- what is the challenge? I know well and that's the thing, right? I, I so think he, the I think the idea is supposed to be it's reverse psychology, right? I'm gonna give you the answer, but you don't trust me, so you're gonna assume it's not that. But all but up until this point, right, these people know they're in this weird Joseph set, but they but where's the peril about hopscotch? Right? If something dangerous or ominous had happened to them thus far. But it's a, you know, at this point, it's just like a kid's game. Like, why are they, like, so distrustful or so angry? Because there's nothing dangerous about I mean, they about got zapped. But I guess, yeah, yeah no, I guess. They pop into a force field all the time. Yeah, the peril part, I guess, didn't bother me as much as, like, okay, we're going to, we are playing this game that's never been played before. This crazy, from a new species we've never met, this game of life and death. And the riddles are, say a nursery rhyme while playing hot scop. Hopscotch and drink a drink a drink. Like, drink there's some not sunny even, D. Just drink the drink, I, as I pronounced it to you, trippingly on the tongue. Yeah, it's 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 very weird. They they do figure it out, uh, and Bashir realizes, of course, that drinking is the solution to all of life's problems. And we see, apparently, uh, Cisco drinks like Trump. And uh, the fact that they want to pat him on the back and be like, "Well, whew, we had two whew. choices." Don't drink it and drink it. When we didn't drink it, we choked to uh-huh. death. But then you somehow figured out. Somehow made the bold choice to do the only other thing you could do. Yeah, it's it's weird. Um, the Wadi, of course, all stop laughing and backhand clap them into Shap 4 and disappear. They're, they're all so proud of them. Way to, way to drink that, Sunny D. There's the, oh, right. The backhand, yes. Backhand clap. Uh, which is an interesting <laughs> little detail because I get it. Because like you know, why would we all clap exactly the same way, yeah, despite yeah, having right. exactly the same hands? And we're actually going to see this. This is how Bajorans clap, but I don't think we know that yet. Uh, anyway, here we are with our big giant set where we spent all of our money. They go into this other room, and uh, back at Quark's, Jimmy Fallon yells "Alamarain" again, and Quark is psyched. So now you know what Alamorain means, Mike. Do I? It means you go to the next shaft, or it means like congrats. Yeah, it means it means congrats. You have moved on to the next shaft. It's uh, you know, that's we all just want to move on to the next shaft. Uh, so back uh here, Odo and Primen are searching for our heroes, and uh, Primen finds a bipolar current. Not sure what that means but it is related to transporter technology. 
And against Primmon's wishes, Odo transports onto the Wadi ship. Uh, so that is, uh, that's a, you know, it's so funny. Like, the transporter effect, I've seen it a million times, but when you holds screenshot up. it, it looks great. Yeah. It holds up really, really well. Um, good job, 1993 uh, special effects. So uh, Odo's here on the Wadi ship. He opens a door filled with light and wildly overacts. Then he he, and then I, he like, just beams into the that beams him into the game. I was confused as to where this why it sent him. Yeah, to the... so I, I, I mean, obviously, who the fuck knows what's going on? But he he walks through into the light and it beams him back to Quarks. I would have thought it would beam him into the game. You would think. Right, uh, that that would make more sense, but I don't. Because right. then that would give them a way to get out of the game, instead right. of so just they're... like randomly winning because. Well, what? so so if the we're third to believe, I, I I think we're supposed to be we're supposed to like learn here that the way they're putting them in the game is as opposed to putting them into like a a holodeck, which would be the way to do this. They're using transporter tech they're sort of putting them in the transporter buffer and that's where they are uh while they're doing all of this i think that's the way it's happening but again why would odo go from straight to the straight to quarks there mm -hmm. through that it doesn't make any sense well, it's a bipolar also, current this oh this opened another portal keith if you will in my imagination mm -hmm. that was satisfying until it wasn't when I was like, okay, maybe neither the stakes in or the agency Quark has or the agency they have on in the game makes any difference. Maybe that's mm -hmm. not the point of the episode. Like the point of the episode is going to be about something else. Like the moral point will be about something else, and the resolution, the real puzzling is going to be once again Odo and the Dum Dum security officer now Dum Dum figuring out how to rescue them. But right, or not, <laughs> right? Yeah, and that 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 goes nowhere and does nothing. Yeah, yes, like the the moral thing I think is is right that this episode would have been saved if there was some sort of lesson about morality we were supposed to learn through this. But there's well, no lesson at all. I have a pitch at the end. Okay, of like maybe two things that I think they think. We learned, they were trying but, to say? Yeah, but we'll get there. Okay. Uh, anyway, he's being back to Quark. Quark picks the safer path again and rolls the dice. It's an unfortunate roll. Ooh, whatever that means. And uh, on Shap 4, our heroes hear some noise, and then the deadlights hover in front of them. <laughs> now I'm thinking, ooh, wait, it's Pennywise. Now uh -huh. that would be fun. Now that sounds exciting. Uh, you know, but it's not. Uh, Jimmy Fallon moves Bashir's avatar, and the deadlights disappear him. Uh, but he's not dead. They just send him downstairs. I I I don't know. Uh, but again, like this was a little scary. Like you know the whole the whole deadlights of it all. But like, what did it mean? Why? I don't know. Uh, so uh, Odo is pissed at Quark. Um. Is pissed, but Quark has started to figure out the game. I guess he discovers a shortcut and asks Odo to trust him. Uh, and 
then Jimmy says they need to sacrifice one so that two may live. All right, so like I, I'm really starting to lose the plot now. Well, because these like, two things are completely, completely at odds with one another. You have in one second Odo giving the speech, which seems like the close of a practice episode. Like, oh, this is the thesis statement. His Quark's going to save the day because he's been a gambler his whole life, and we're going to learn. We're going to let Quark be the hero because blah 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 blah. Oh, so Quark's not learning a lesson. He's the hero. Okay, cool. Right. Next beat. I can't do it. I beg you not to make me do like. None of it, none of those things are cohesive. But also, like, all right, so, like, we're setting up a, the choice, you know, that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. One of them has to die so the other two can be saved, right? What was disappearing Bashir about? Yeah, like, or, or, then, they, and they give Odo an out already. He's like, I don't know even know which pieces are who, so he can't even make an informed decision. So, right. but, but 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 that's but with with Quark, he's being asked to choose out of the three. Which of the three should I sacrifice? Right. Right. The Bashir thing is entirely separate. They like they they deadlights Bashir uh, tied well, to nothing. I, well, I think that was based on the unfortunate role. The unfortunate role, and then so the, the, unfortunate the new part sacrifice of the is because of the shortcut. I felt like the shortcut because you took the shortcut. There's a price to pay. There's like a toll for the shortcut. I see. Because they said higher chance for reward, but a higher risk. So the risk is you lose somebody. I, I don't fucking. We're. I think we're just like inventing <laughs> rules. We are trying so hard to make this make sense. Um. Anyway, at the beginning of Act Five, Quark also, has to choose. I want to go back and watch the episode, even though there's no rules. Because if you watch Jimmy Fallon the whole time, he does play it pretty straight. He's never yeah. like, because I'm trying to. I'm like, what are his motivations? Like you said in the beginning, is he taking delight in it? Is he looking like he's penalizing Odo? Is he an evil person? Is he is he having any fun? Because he doesn't look like he's having fun either. It's all bizarre. Like what? What? What does he want? What is the purpose of all of this? Yeah, yeah, that's all a good question. Uh, so Quark has to choose one Blow on them. of the three, or they're all sacrificed. And of course, he starts to cry, <laughs> to freak out, uh, and uh, asks not to have to kill anyone. And it's a lot. It's it, a lot. I don't. It's really a lot. Uh, I, I don't, and then he goes completely under the table at one point. Like he's, he falls below the shot. Yeah. Like he really goes nuts. And, and then Jimmy Fallon's just like, okay. He's okay. But he also, it doesn't accomplish anything. So just like, okay, we'll just pick one at random. Which is what Quark would have done anyway. Exactly. I literally have that written down. He didn't know it was random anyway. So. So that whole freakout and the whole begging and like that all of that accomplished nothing. Well, once again, Mike saw a Mike saw a possible rescue that didn't come because, like I said, if you go back and watch the scene, Quark literally goes below the camera sight line, and so I'm like, oh, he's crawling under the table. He's he's, he's putting on a performance to to cheat or to like do some sort of thing. But nope, not that. Yeah, well, that that would have made sense. That would have been an interesting thing to do. Nope. Well, uh, and, and, and it's right. important, and we'll talk more about this. 
the reason I'm doing the mental gymnastics is because up until this point, we're nine episodes in, the plots have been very well thought through, yeah. like immaculate. And so I'm yeah. like, this has to be, I'm missing something. Right. 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 Yes. Totally. Like there's, but there's no. gotta be something here. I'm not getting, uh, no. Okay. So back on the Joseph set, uh, we hear Bashir calling and saying he's found a way home. And, uh, which Dax, makes no sense because he's been in the game. Been the only thing I know for sure is that he's been disappeared. He's, he's supposed to be dead. He's been, well, well, cause it's obviously not Bashir. It's a, it's a trap of some sort. Kind of, right? but then he's there. Well, he's sort of there. I, I don't know. Uh, so <laughs> Dax, <laughs> we got to push through. A, and this could have been a seven minute this. episode. We could have really like, got up. I don't know. Uh, Dax goes into a dark cave for some reason and gets her leg caught. And there are a bunch of earthquakes happening, and Bashir tells them to go into the light. Never go into the light. We know this. Uh, and it turns out eh, it's not uh, it's not Bashir it's at all. Fallon. It's Jimmy Fallon acting even weirder. Do not pass go. Go directly to Shep 6. Sure. I thought that would have uh, been a good thing, though. I guess I don't know. They pick up Dax and continue into the cave. Was into she what the one... is the long, longest unnecessary sequence? And right, so they got this huge cave thing. So when Dax got caught in the thingy, was she the one that was sacrificed? What's happening? Um, that's I guess that's what was my read. Yeah. So they arrive at a chasm, and I guess this is when they have to. Choose one. So Dax says, leave me behind because I can't jump over this chasm. And apparently the other ones can. And uh, after a bunch of false drama about who's going to leave who behind, because how do they even know the cat on the other side of the chasm is where they're supposed to go? Right. And also, this is where we learn that Dax is cutthroat because Dax is like, oh, I'd let you die. No question. You'd be dead. And Ben's like, thank God I'm not a heartless bastard like you. And you're like, oh, this is friendship. And then they go. Well, it's just like, again, so much false drama in this, right? Okay. One, we don't know that hopping the chasm is where they need to go to, right? We, also we don't, even don't even know, know that if you die in the game, you're really dead. Right. So you don't know if there's actually any peril. You don't know if that's where you're trying to get to. You know, you know if we're supposed to be in the caves at all. And then when they have all of this drama and Dax is like, I would kill you uh, and all that, they just like, Oh, let's just go this other way. Right? Yeah, but then there's a weird camera shot. Once again, they like, I think maybe I got a screenshot of it. Like Avery Brooks sees like this, like, oh, there's some yellow paint on this cavern. And yeah, right here. I'm yeah. like, oh, that that's some sort of visual indicator of something like a hidden seek, shortcut or something. Nope. It was just a close-up of a yellow thing of paint. I, well, it's not paint. It's sand. Like that's what's supposed to be on top of the rocks, I guess. Oh, I don't know, but I thought it meant something. And I was like, oh, no, they're just going the other way. No, it's way. just dirt. It's it's just dirt. And and they just, just go a different That's where way. I quit, Keith. That's where I was like, I don't know what's happening. I can't I can't figure this out for them. And and so we have this long extended climbing oh, scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then she which, almost falls. Which involves just so many grunting and climbing noises. Uh, it was... A lot. And then uh, they all fall off a cliff. Um, and win! And they arrive safely back at Quark's. And 
Turns out there's no danger at all. It was just a game. And, but did uh, they win or lose? No, they lost because they died because everybody died. But Quark said, I win. I think Quark was confused. <laughs> <laughs> then I was like, oh, are they going to say they won because they didn't they didn't sacrifice a character because they saved Because the only sort no. of moral beat here is that 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 Captain Ben was like, I, I ain't going to let everybody go. No, no, Mike, they needed to move along home. And even though they moved along home, they didn't move along home the right way. I guess. And uh, Quark is This is when I was like, to... wait, what? <laughs> Every Brooks's face is all of our faces yeah. at this point. Like, what the hell is happening? And then Keith Stone's like, yeah. That was fun, yeah. right, guys? Yeah. Uh, so Quark is forced to confess to cheating, which I guess caused them to do the game, maybe? Or were they planning to all along? What exactly happened here? Uh... But uh, yeah, so we. Uh, you know, the best part of the episode, Keith, is the very is the tag when uh, when Quark chases him off to try to sell him license the game. Yeah, he wants to license the game. And of all people, they cut to a close up of Kira, who's like, "Oh, Quark! Oh, Quark!" And she's not. That would never be her. She's pissed off, but not anymore. She's not pissed off now. She's like, "Oh, that scamp." No, and then the music swells triumphantly, and the credits roll. So that's what happened, I think, yeah. maybe. That we talked for as long as the episode. We verbally dissected for longer that episode. than the and, episode. And guess what? It took that long to try to make sense of something that is nonsensical. I, 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 don't, I, don't have, I have no better idea of what the hell just happened. after I've seen this episode like five times, and now we've talked. I don't know. But you know what I do know? I think it's time for Mike's quiz. What do you say? Let's do it. Let's. Let's do it. Here we go. And now it's time for Mike and Deglio's Star Trek Vocabulary Quiz. Oh, this one's going to be fun. Mike, tell us, what is a shap? Keith, uh, it's not what happens to your lips in a cold Vermont winter. No, no, no. What it is is a level... A dimensional level of the game board of Shala. <laughs> Shala. <laughs> Whatever. <The> game's <laughs> Wait, what the hell is it actually called? Jumba. Jumba. <laughs> Wait, I have it written down. It's it's. They, they faced they faced the Chandra. Okay. Apparently, like Chandra rhymes is like one of the. Uh... Ah, Chula. Okay. Guess Shula. What? All right. Close Shala's enough. not that bad. Shala, you know. All right. Your next question is I've got another. I've got more. Oh, God. That's oh, <laughs> That's going to happen every week. It sure is. Your next vocab question is what is the Wadi? The Wadi, Keith. Is definitely not. It, the, first of all, the Wadi is all that. Is that. Free cash we get from all of our Patreons. Uh, uh, no, no, no. It is a species of game loving, uh, mullet wearing uh, scene chewers, one of which is a professional wrestler. Okay. Uh, good job. That is two for two, sort of. Affirmative. All right. You know, uh, 
You know what it's time for, and now you understand what it means. Sort of. Oh, see, isn't it so satisfying now that it you is. know what it, that what that means? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So, whew, there we go. Uh, this one will be a fun one because it's time to discuss. Mike, did did you find any wormholes in the plot? Um. Well, there's so many, Keith, to enumerate. So let's. I'm going to try to boil it down. One. Absolutely insane. To, to base an entire episode around a board game and not establish any of the rules. Any of them. Absolutely insane. Number two. I don't know if it's a wormhole, but no, that, that encapsulates my biggest problem, which is the lack of any sort of like smarts necessary to like win the game. Because, uh, you know, a good, a, good, a good example, no, I'll get to that in the conversation. My biggest wormhole is the, there's no rules to the game. Um, that feels like a wormhole to me. Also, the biggest thing, too, is like the tractor beam thing, and then it, it beams Odo to Quarks, which doesn't seem to make any mm -hmm. sense. It, are we to infer that that means they beamed all those guys out of the ship? Is that maybe it was showing that there was a transfer between the ships? I don't know. Th those are my two big sort of like, not that answers would have helped, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that. Well, here's here's the the way I'm thinking about it, right? In order to have a hole in something, yeah, there, there has to be, to be a something, right? Swiss cheese is cheese with holes in it, but there's cheese there. This is just hole. There's there's just hole, no cheese, uh, because it, it, there there are five elements. If you're gonna if you're gonna be a reporter, right? Who, what, where, when, and why? Okay, we know who. We know when, but what, where, and why, none of it. I don't know what happened. I don't know where it happened. I don't know why it happened. Yeah, I mean, so, juxtapose, it with, juxtapose it with the last time we met a new species, right? And we did right. first contact. The whole reason that plot, aside from the emotional beats, which were great, right? the thing that made that work so well is how well they established the rules of the game we were playing. We were playing right. a game and, in that as well. And very quickly, they had to establish a very complicated backstory and set of rules. And the stakes. You know, and and the stakes. And, and it had to be, not only do you have to explain all of it, because there's a lot going on there, but it had to make enough sense for the decisions that Tosk was making to make sense, right? To be like, oh, I'm going to continue playing this game. I'm gonna continue. I'm gonna sacrifice myself because it had to be so airtight. All right, uh, let us. Eh, we don't have time. There's no more time to talk about the wormholes in the plot. Let's talk about our best moment, Mike. What was your favorite moment? I really think my favorite moment. Well, there were some funny moments too. I I thought that every moment Kira was reacting when she threw that food down made me pee myself. I was just like, what is who's what is happening? Poor mm -hmm. cast. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Uh, but I think the moment with Odo and Jake is my favorite my favorite scene. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> ridiculously, but it was it was felt very grounded. It felt very realistic. It felt yeah. well acted. Uh, for all the shit I hear about Kid Jake, I thought he was excellent in yeah. this episode. Yeah, and Sarek's performance was really 
the whole thing. The whole thing was reading Sarek's face. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. Like, I think I, you know, uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to Jake. Period, mm-hmm. because I think inclusive of that moment was the the opening scene with him and Cisco and and the sort of father son dynamic there. You know, and I'll talk about it when we get to the the stem bolts because like those are the only moments that had anything to do with the characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, Quark Quark was Quark in this episode, but everybody else was just like insert character A B C D. And so that's the only thing that actually felt like people. Uh, what I also liked about the Jake moment since we're there is I think there was like a we were, so, we were supposed to learn something about uh Cisco and and um Kira uh, even though we kind of already knew it so it was nothing was learned but I'll talk about that later. What I learned about Jake here was even though they set him up as just like a tip, typical kid going through puberty and all these and he's you know he's got friends that his parents don't agree with and all these things what do we learn about him here? He showed up for his date with his dad to mm-hmm. have a conversation that was going to be uncomfortable. When he sure recognized did. that his dad wasn't on time, he found it odd and he went and did the right thing. He went and yeah. talked to the security officer. He was He's responsible. He's got a, a, a leadership type brain, a responsible brain. We learned a lot about Jake's yeah. character in this episode. That's true. Like Jake is the MVP of this episode. If he hadn't stepped up to try to like, what's going on here? They'd, they'd still be like, oh, they got drunk at the thing, so like, our entire senior staff is gone. Who cares? Nobody. And would that have mattered, attention. though, Keith? Once again, talk about stakes. Who would no. it have mattered? No, none of it would have mattered. Uh, but we want to know what does matter. It is time for us to assign this famous episode an amount of self-sealing stem bolts. Well, could if an episode could ever use self-sealing stem bolts, Keith, it's this mm. one, because yeah. it does not hold together. You could <laughs> no. make the argument, and I'm sure some had, I'm sure somebody in the writer's room would make the argument, that this is an episode about Quark coming to terms with his gambling or with his valuing quirkiness. with valuing uh, economic gain over the, his colleagues, or maybe you could, maybe... But he doesn't learn any lessons, so he doesn't seem to give a shit at the end. So I, I would argue that that's not true. You could argue that it's about overcoming the obstacles that the game set up. I mean, it seemed like the crew on the board inside the game had some sort of agency in 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 overcoming these riddles. But it seems weird, like uh, the riddles weren't very hard. Uh, I would say that the only sort of moral victory the 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 most star trekky type of thing that happens is that ben does what he's supposed to do kira does what she's supposed to do and says no we're not le- no man left behind regardless right. <clears throat> so we learned right. something i would i guess you can make the argument something is learned there although you would expect absolutely nothing less right of ben there right if they left not new if they information. left Dax behind right you'd be like that's that doesn't fit so that doesn't hold up any any scrutiny. So it's not our characters didn't grow. The and the biggest disappointment for me here. The biggest disappointment aside from the lack of stakes, aside from the lack of peril as we've enumerated constantly over the past hour and a half. My biggest problem is this. What is Keith constantly saying to Mike about why he loves Star Trek and Mike is starting to agree 9 episodes in. It's competent people 
using their intellect. Yes, there's techno babble. Yes, there's gadgets, but they're using their teamwork and their smarts to overcome challenges. And here is a freaking game, right? Where they're put into this situation that is unknown to them. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be great because we're going to put our minds together and we're going to solve these challenges. Keith, Nair has a D&D &D campaign been so stupid. Like, oh, fire the DM. Can you imagine if you went to a game and this is what this is? They're like, oh, uh, <clears throat> you know what? Uh, I guess I should roll for freaking uh, my hopping abilities because my, because I got it. The solution is do is do hopscotch. Well, you know what? You know what this is? I think D&D &D is perfect, right? Uh, have you ever like because like you you really like some like cousin or nephew or whatever like allowed yourself to be dm'd by a five-year-old yeah right? every person right they just keep changing the rules it, it doesn't make any sense there's yep. no thought behind it it's all just sort of like random things and like silly jokes and and it, it's fun because you know you're supporting your five-year-old or whatever but like as an adult like yeah well anyway continue so not only does it just like make them look them solving these the, and what's worse than them solving these idiotically simple challenges is that it's written such that they think they've they act as if they've overcome some great uh, right. bubble stilt skillion riddle right. and you're like what so it, what ends up happening is and then you add the action sequence at the end it, they just look so eggy it's so eggy it's really eggy that you can't escape it. it. I mean, everything goes to shit. And so you've got the the main antagonist, scene chewy, they look kind of dumb and ridiculous. And then you've got the main protagonist acting sort of dumb and ridiculous. And then so what are you left with? Dumb and ridiculous, yeah. as juxtaposed to eight really solid episodes of competence. And so yeah. you're just like, Ugh, let's get the hell out of here. And that's kind of what the end of the episode does. They're sort of like, we, okay, that scamp, we're out. Uh, no one moves forward. There's no growth. It's not even, the other thing I would say is, even in, at least in the Q episode, we got fun games and like funny sequences was funny. that are right. supposed to be tongue in cheek. Not so much here. Uh, Keith, I can't, the performances weren't even that good because they were set up to fail, yeah. right? The, with the exception of Jake, they all looked, the acting was bad because they were yeah. asked to act realistically in completely unrealistic situations. I can't give it more than three. Oh, it's 100. And 28 self-sealing stem bolts. Wow, yeah. Only because the sets were nice and colorful and some good painting yeah. was done. yeah. No, I, I think that's I, I think all of that is is exactly right. I mean, it's it's an episode that doesn't have a purpose, right? Because you know, you talked about like what I like about Star Trek is competent people problem solving. Well, yes, it's that, and it is an exploration of a moral question of a of a like what is the moral, what is the ethical ethical thing to do, and and so much of this series is about working through that, trying to exploring ethics exploring morality exploring right and wrong exploring why and there's and there's none of that here so there's there's no character development there's no moral quandary there's no 
stakes. We don't know whether it's 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 not scary. It's not funny. It's not. It it doesn't have uh any point. It has absolutely nothing to say, and it's 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 disappointing because you know because you, you can think about it right. There is a version of this episode which is great, right? If you pitch me the idea, this alien species comes in and they have these wildly advanced game systems that put people in real peril and we don't really know what's going on. Okay, that's a great place to start. Let's figure out now, let's figure out well, what what do what do we want to say? What is what is the what is the moral of that story? What is the obstacle of that story? How do our characters grow from this? And it's just, you know, it, this happened a couple of times where they they just sort of like did the elevator pitch and forgot to actually write an episode. And so for all of the expense and effort, everybody comes out looking bad. And I, you know, I, there's a really good episode based on this concept, but this is just a, you know, and it's an ambitious concept, right? And sometimes when you have an ambitious concept, that's really where you fall on your, your flat on your face. And it really happened here. I felt bad for the actors. I felt bad for sort of everybody in this. Because uh, it was just, it's not good. It's not good. And I, I don't need to keep dunking on it because it is what it is. Uh, I think you're right. I think you're right in the pocket there with the, uh, I'm going to give it 21 self-sealing stem bolts. Do you know what the best part of the episode is, Keith? What's that? It's that somewhere out there, some screenwriter was watching this in 1993, mm-hmm. and two years later, greenlit and wrote the spec for Jumanji. Right, and that's it's a good just one. Just Jumanji, yeah. It's yeah, it's like a <laughs> it's exactly. space Jumanji. That's a hundred percent. That would have been right, and they they fixed it. They got it right. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, next week. Uh, I'm pretty excited to see what Mike thinks about this because <laughs> it's the Nagus. It's I'm not, uh, it, I'm uh, so many things. I'm just gonna. It's it's inconceivable, but we are going to uh, Keith. Do... Just thumbs up or thumbs down. Is it better? Oh, it is unquestionably better. Okay, but it's uh, it is another. Uh, Let's say Polarizing? strong flavor. It's a okay. strong flavor, uh, but uh, I, it's it's gonna you know it's it's gonna hit you at first and be like, ooh, this is terrible, but then uh, you know it it in, it improves with age. I think uh, the more the Don't more you drink, all. it's like wine. The more you drink of it, the less the you know the flavor taste. It matters. Uh, so uh, going to be very interesting uh, to talk about the Negus. So thank you so much. For listening to us struggle through uh, Move Along Home, I really, I'm super curious what yeah, for me too. your thoughts are. Uh, I'm maybe sure we that, missed it, Keith. Maybe someone down below will, will tell us why it's great. For sure. I, I mean, maybe. We missed a ton. Uh, but I I'm actually am genuinely curious what, uh, what you think about this episode. What did we miss? What did we uh, misunderstand? Uh, because it's memorable. It's a very memorable episode of Deep Space Nine. And so, so if you would like to, uh, if you thought, eh, all of this was great, I want some more. Mike, tell them how they can get more. Patreon.com slash K&M, mm. all kinds of goodies. We really 
appreciate your support. If you cannot, do not sweat it. Just give us a like and maybe a subscribe down below. Even better yeah. than that, tell a friend. We're trying to get those subs up because the algorithm hates us. Outside of that, Keith, it's always a pleasure spending a little bit of time with you. And I look forward to next week. Until All then. right, folks. Time to move along home. Thanks for watching. Thank you for watching KM Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash KM.